It was at this moment that he knew. He bucked up. Welcome. You're listening to Bucked Up with Sam Buck. Man, thank you so much for coming on. It was cool. Before um, we joined in, I was reading some of your blog, and it was very similar to my writing. You're like about the like uh, in your intro, it said something about um, routine, like uh, being free within routine, and that's something oh, that agree. that's something that I write a ton about myself. So it was cool. It was like, oh shit, I related a lot to your writing. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, thank you for checking it out. Of course. Welcome to the Bucked Up Podcast, Pat. Uh, is it PQ? How do you pronounce your um, PQ? Oh, it's it's PQ. So it's PQ. just it's my initials spelled out. Okay, Pat PQ yeah, yeah, Quinn. Uh, yeah. Amazing artist, man. I'm a real big fan of your art, so I'm honored to have you on the show. Oh, thank you so much. I'm a fan of the podcast. Thank you very much. So I guess we'll get into it. When did you, you're, uh, you do a lot of like rap covers where you grew up listening to rap and stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what, what styles? So I kind of came up on late eighties and then into the nineties hip hop. Um, I grew up in West Philly. So like we were still in the, sh- you know, in the shadow of New York, but there was a lot of stuff locally. So, you know, there were the roots, but then there was also some more old school, like Schoolie D, uh, Three Times Dope, yeah, um, things like that. And then during like the, the late 90s, like independent hip hop scene, we had pretty big, uh, you know, community there. Um, there were a few central places. So like Jedi Mind Tricks came out of that. Um, Great artist. Uh, yeah. And then you have obviously the bigger ones like the Roots, um, Outer Space, Reef the Lost Cause came out of that. Um, a lot of the guys that, you know, I guess were part of like the uh, Army of the Pharaohs movement. Yeah. Um, but then we also had, you know, like more, I guess, that was like real centered on the street. So you had like major figures and uh, state property and stuff like that. And it, it was all kind of equally celebrated in Philly. Um, but my stuff that I came up with as like an early teenager was, you know, the same as everybody else. Wu-Tang, A Tribe Called Quest, De La Soul, Mob Deep, all of that. Were you making music at this time? I was listening to your instrumental album. Were you, Or were you just doing, you said, graffiti and art, stuff like that? Yeah, I didn't start, uh, I didn't start actually making music until about 2005. Um, when I was coming up, I really didn't have any musical talent i i wasn't really a participant in like the hip-hop culture except for like going to shows and you know Mm -hmm. buying you know buying stuff buying the clothes and um once i got into graffiti i that was kind of like my first entry point as like sort of being a participant in it um but i wasn't i was only active as a graffiti writer for about three years Okay, uh, and, and then I got out of it, but it's still kind of like the foundation for everything I do still. So I don't really, yeah, I notice it in your style, but I don't know about graffiti. So you got it. What made you get out of it? Cause you speak um, of it, it. It's funny how people who were graffiti artists speak of it, not like another art form. It's more of like, I don't know, like a dangerous part in their past. And of course it is, but it's, it's talked about differently. Yeah. 
Um, it's definitely its own thing. Um, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of writers that are like active writers, but there's so many elements to the graffiti culture that like, let's say like the big colorful murals and pieces and stuff that you may see in pictures, that's only one element. And in a lot of ways, it's kind of like the smallest element, especially in Philly. In Philly, like the, the biggest central point are the tags and what, you know, if you don't know, it's called the throw up. So it's like sort of like the, the quick bubble letter pieces that are only like one or two colors. That takes precedence in Philly. Um, is it because of the like the, the more dangerous spot you can get it or the more public spot like what is it about the tat like throwing it up that's the most important um i think because of that i think because you can you can touch more spots uh you know like depending on how big or involved one of the you know colorful pieces are it could take some of those things take you know, six hours to do. Mm -hmm. And when you're doing that in a public place, you know what I mean? Like there's, yeah. a, there's a lot involved in that. There's a lot of anxiety where some guys will just, they'll take, you know, a, a bunch of cans and they will like, they call it like going on route. So they will walk uh, like a bus route. Mm -hmm. And then they will, and they will tag everything along that bus route. Um, so that people that are riding that bus route see their name and some guys, you know, that's kind of the organization of how they kind of do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. They'll, they'll take, they'll take a particular train line or a bus route, but that's what I did. I got out of it to answer your question. I'm getting kind of long winded. Um, I started when I was probably about 16 and then right around the time, like, just before and just after turning 18, um, I got caught a bunch of times that were close to each other. And it was just like, I love doing this. It's fun to have like the little adventures with my friends to go out and do it. And yeah. I still am like tapped into the culture in terms of like keeping up on like who's, you know, on top and who's, you know, really active. But I don't really want to spend too much. Uh, you know what I mean? I don't want to risk that. Uh, yeah. I'm more of like a homebody. I don't really want to, I don't, I'm not interested in doing any jail time. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. It, was there any like times that you got, was there like a last time when you were like, this, this could have been bad. No, that's good that you got out before, you know, when you get those senses, you know? Oh yeah. 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 And, and I had had some friends that were getting caught. Um, and I had some friends that, you know, I guess some, a couple of the guys that I was coming up with were definitely elevating the craft and became really, really influential and kind of like Kings of Philly. And I knew that like the amount of work that goes into doing that, you could like start a business, you know what I mean? Like there, there's a lot more things that you could do, but I love that they did that. And they, you know, some of those guys turned it into like very promising art careers. Um, but, you know, it, it takes a lot of time, dedication, and balls to be able to do that day in and day yeah. out. And, and I mean, I you turned it into an art career now. I mean, it wasn't right away, but you, you, you're you doing that now. Kind of. Um, 
it's, I guess I kind of like toe a line on that because I haven't been active for so long mm-hmm. and, um, I don't really like to, I don't really like to claim being part of it because there's so many guys that are so much more dedicated and into that. And I would never want to, you know I mean? I have so much like respect for what they do that yeah. I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to claim being part of that because I'm technically not, it just, right. it influences a lot of the stuff, like how you say my routine and things like that. There's a lot of that how I kind of organize my thoughts around like art and hip hop culture and like just how uh, like even like the marketing of an album, how I do album covers, a lot of it is still based on like stuff I picked up from graffiti. So I give like the ultimate praise and respect to it. When did you want to claim it? Were you artistic growing up? Like before 16, were you always, were you, how did you get into graffiti? It was just the thing that people did. Um, I, I kind of like, I guess around like 13 or 14, I was real into sports and I was like artistic, but not to the, I was the dude that drew the Wu-Tang logo on all my friends' backpacks in like seventh Mm -hmm. grade. You know what I mean? It was like that type of thing, but I never really like, I, I never like painted pictures or anything like that. Yeah. And then I hit a point around like 13 or 14 when I started getting into like skateboarding and, um, just kind of like dipping away from like, just like traditional kids sports culture. I was a pretty sheltered kid when I was like in grade school. And mm-hmm. then when I started like getting around some of my friends, like some, you know, like a couple guys were into like going out and tagging. Some guys were into skateboarding and then we all kind of connected. And then like, those guys are still my best friends now. Um, but a are big they part still of it, creating art, are they still? Uh, they're all of them are very musically talented but they're not, they're not doing artwork like I am. Yeah. Well then Um, were you doing art throughout that time, you know, 18 to whenever, when did you start back doing it seriously? Um, so it hit like a few different steps. So I, I stopped doing, I stopped being active doing graffiti on walls when I was 18 but I was still doing it in books and, you know, I still love the process of like drawing and all that stuff, Mm -hmm. but I, I would just like grab a sketchbook here and there and I would always kind of go in and do stuff. And then around, then like a few years later, I got into doing music. And then when like stuff like MySpace came around, I started like messing around with, just doing my own logos and stuff to put on like the MySpace page to promote the music. And then I got a lot of like good feedback on the logos. Um, So then fast forward around like 2008, 2009, um, uh, like a lot of, you know, like the recession hit and I got laid off from my job and I didn't know what I was gonna do. So I went back to school for graphic design. I had been messing with it a little bit. And um, a big thing in like graphic design is like, you think that you're just like piecing some stuff together with like some computer software, but people actually encourage you to do a lot of sketching and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So through the process of getting in and like keeping a sketchbook all the time, I kind of got back into drawing a little bit. And then uh, I started getting a little bit tapped into like the art world just paying attention to artists and stuff. A lot of guys that were uh, like came up and were into like 
graffiti or like we're doing art on skateboards and stuff like that. And I started to pay attention to who those guys were and how they functioned. And I became a fan of them. You know what I mean? Like a lot of, um, a lot of that early in the, it's, it's very similar to now, like a lot of the early independent hip hop guys were just doing covers and now they are doing ads for, you know what I mean? Like bigger companies. So I started to get into that a little bit more and that got me to start, you know, really like practicing just like doing my own kind of art and different styles and then but you must have wanted to go but how old are you when you went back to school for graphic design uh, i was 28 so that there must have been like an an like a i know losing your job but there must have been like a voice in the back of your head telling you you always wanted to do it i think so i mean when i was uh i really wanted to go to college for um graphic design when I was in high school but I think I was doing that sort of as like a catalyst to like learn concepts that would like improve the graffiti stuff Mm -hmm. but then I kind of always did like have conversations with friends like oh we can make t-shirts and you know what I mean because during a lot of that uh indie hip-hop boom of like 97 98 you also saw the beginnings of a lot of these like streetwear brands kind of coming to the forefront like supreme had been around for a while it's obviously what it is now but supreme started out as just like a skate shop (laughs) and then it just kind of grew culturally so i love there was like this renaissance of like all of these like independent it wasn't exactly skateboard brands. It wasn't exactly, you know, like hip hop brands like Echo. It was these smaller little things. And I really, really liked how they kind of like tapped into different aspects of culture. That's such a funny thing to hear because I, I didn't really know the history of all that, but it is what's happening now. I mean, it's 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 like Griselda is kind of taking that and kind of reinv- even not just with the sound, but with the way they're doing it, too. I mean, I was just in Buffalo for the Buffalo Kids Gallery opening, and it was insane to see the amount of people there. And it's great that they're kind of like, what, what's that going to be in 10, 15 years? Is it going to be like a supreme? Is it going to? I think about that a lot, um, because what. You know, and and I've heard how you kind of speak to some of the other guys about this, like what those guys created, it's almost like there was so much stuff that was already there that was like, was like what they did. They just managed to put like a frame around it or something. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like that whole thing had been bubbling for so long. And then, um, and you got to give the credit to West more than anybody else. I mean, you know, like you see these videos that go up of like Conway, you know, rhyming in like 2009 and he was incredible back then. Yeah. But West kind of like, like I said, just kind of put that frame around it and curated it all into this movement that I think it just kind of, I don't know, it, it, you know, there were guys like, like Rock Marciano and Action mm-hmm. Bronson that were kind of doing what they were, but whatever it was that they did, they just built that community. And it was like, it actually feels like some real, like hardcore punk stuff. Yeah, I you agree. Know, you know, like the consciousness of it. Do you remember what the first Griselda project you heard was? Uh I, I think I was just hearing random songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they were on, it, it, it had to have been Fly God. Yeah. Like as far as like a, like a project. Um, 
and you know like fly god is is that thing you know what i mean it's like that uh like it's the, like the imagery of it what sep did for them and yeah. like shout that's, out seppington great audience. yeah absolutely shout out sep uh yeah great dude um but i think that they like you know like that fly god cover is the equivalent of like the Wu-Tang symbol or like the black flag logo, whatever it is for this culture. That's like sort of, you know, the symbol that represents all this Renaissance that's going on right now. Yeah. And it's, it is funny. I guess this is the first time I've said it on the, not that it mattered, but like I first heard Conway with reject Two, And I didn't get like the first, I would say five times I heard West side. I didn't like, get it yet like my brain hadn't like formed the synapse to be like oh this is a completely new thing but then when i started really like i i like not forced myself to listen to him but this was even before uh this was right before fly god it 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 clicked where it's like oh this is a new thing he found as you said he took what was already bubbling and just created something different and new with it yeah and you know it's funny that you're saying that like how it didn't it didn't click at first because the thing is like a lot of guys that are my age, like my friends that aren't tapped into music the way that I am, I'm sort of like the artery that like will send stuff out. Like, I think you'll like this. A lot of these guys are, you know what I mean? They're, they're just yeah. trying to normal, like married kids, just trying to go, go into work and everything. And when I tried to put them all on, I was already tapped in, but you know, guys that came up on like 90s hip-hop the 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 beats are a lot slower it's a lot of like it's just weird like say somebody that was like a huge fan of like a tribe called quest or like de la soul or something like that if you put them on the griselda like the the music you can argue is even darker than like the wu-tang stuff because oh yeah you know what i mean like and and west has said before he's like my content isn't really that much different than like you know, some trap rapper or something like that. It's just that, you know, it, that's the sonic palette that they put it on when everybody abandoned the East Coast sound, they actually leaned even further into it with Derringer's beats. Yeah. And you can tell that West was just exposed and like was put on to a lot more stuff. Like he references a lot of like, you know, nonfiction and a lot of that independent hip hop or even like the Dilla and Madlib stuff. And, you know, th those beats are like undeniably crazy. Yeah. So I think that that kind of like gives the segue to be able to do that more street centered rap over, you know, like a like a sonic palette that's even so much more left to center than what everybody else is used to. And that's what makes it special. Yeah. And he has such a love for other things other than rap. Well, like I don't even like wrestling, but I've enjoyed wrestling just being a fan of Westside. Like I got into it and having, it's like this podcast, honestly, like I could, if my first couple episodes were like talking to comedians in the local scene and it was a great conversation, but I didn't bring my other passions into it. Like yeah. getting to talk to you like it's cool because i know you have a love for something that i also have a love for and we're coming at it in different ways like i have this podcast to kind of offer the universe and you have your art to kind of offer the universe but it's through a love of something that is just there it's through a love of music and a love you said you were sheltered growing up how did you find rap like i mean i was into rap Mm -hmm. from from the get-go like the the neighborhood that i was in 
was surrounded by basically like the, the, the pioneering rap groups or rappers in Philly sort of came out of West Philly and they were in the neighborhoods that were just adjacent to mine. Um, I'm saying in the sense of like, I was, I was just more into like what normal kids were just into. Like I played sports. I listened to rap music. I watched Adam Sandler movies. You know what I mean? It was just all like the, like, like the stuff I was into wasn't so much different than what maybe some kids from like the suburbs were in. But then I wasn't sheltered in the sense that like, um, like I knew what was going on and there was a lot of stuff going on in my neighborhood, but I, you know, I, I was raised pretty well and just didn't, I, I didn't like spend time out on the street as much until I was like 13 or 14. Yeah. Well, I feel like Philly is, I don't want to speak, but it is a more like artistic rap scene. Like the rap out of Philly is, different than just in you know a couple hours each way from different cities you know it's yeah yeah it is um and it's like you know schoolie d literally created gangster rap Mm -hmm. you know the 80s and then you had um like three times dope cool c steady b uh but then you had on the same side you had like jazzy jeff and the fresh prince which was like a little bit more, you know, it was cleaner and, um, but these things kind of function together. And then my neighborhood in West Philly is called Overbrook. So you have these areas where the, where the, um, you know, this, all this hip hop was created, but then on the other side is Lower Marion, which is actually like a pretty wealthy section of Pennsylvania where Kobe Bryant is from. So it's like, it bumps up against all of these different, surroundings and then it has its own thing going on so yeah i guess that's true because if you look at like buffalo i just had on jay skis who signed a drum work and like conway i mean with love the genius and like he put on a different style than what i thought he would sign to like those two artists are both amazing but very different than what i thought drum work would be yeah both of them uh both sound like you know like it's really cool that they they came up and they're they're part of drum work but they could easily be part of like tde or like you know what i mean some more like bohemian style yeah i just talked to jay and he was saying that he like lupe was one of his biggest inspirations and him and love actually came up together before they so they knew each other before conway which i thought was in it was a cool that they had they said they were making music in like 2013 together yeah oh yeah that's really cool well then when did you get back into making like album like what was your first album cover or piece for an artist or or a rap artist or like when did that come around so once people started to notice that I was drawing a lot more and not just like putting covers together on like Photoshop and stuff. Um, uh, I was, I was just kind of like putting out artwork on Instagram. And then um, I caught the eye of some local Philly guys. And then I'm going to say it was like right about this time last year, once everybody started to go into quarantine I had the mindset of a lot of people are, are going to start to get like lazy and complacent 
especially in this first two months, because they're not going to know how to adapt to it. I had no idea that we'd be in the situation we are now where we're still kind of quarantined. But I just knew that that was going to be a thing. So I basically just when I wasn't working my day job, all I did was just make stuff and keep putting it out there. And I was doing some, I was putting out a beat tape uh, for, um, for, for March, which is Air Max month. And I was going to, I did a beat tape that was kind of like centered around the creation of the Nike Air Max. Um, and in doing that, I was going to create some art based on like color waves of some of like the most classic, like Nike Air Max releases. So I reached out to Screwtape, who is a Philly MC. And, um, cause I know that he's a big Air Max head. And I just, I was just like trying to pull in, I didn't want to just do my favorites. I wanted to pull in other people's favorites. So I, I sent some stuff to him. Him and I had shown some interest in working together. I wasn't pitching to work with him. I was just pitching to, you know, get his input on a couple of his favorite sneakers. And I was going to draw yeah. art based on it, put it on Instagram and use it to promote my tape. He saw the first thing I did and he liked it so much that he said, is, would, is there any way that, I'd be able to use this. I have an EP coming out. I said, yeah, no problem. So then him and I got to talking and I started to hear some of the music he was making. And I kind of just abandoned this beat tape I was doing or that I had done, but I abandoned promoting. I said, I just, I'm going to art direct this project if you let me. So him and I started exchanging ideas and we created all this stuff that ended up becoming the sole provider EP which is uh, okay. at the end of uh, May is going to be uh, celebrating its one year anniversary. But it, it, it became something that like resonated with a lot of people in our scene. And that exposed me to some new stuff. So I got to do like, you know, all the art, but then also like the full rollout for the project with them. And it was just, you know, screwing me, just exchanging ideas. Once that got me in front of some more people, uh, the first person to reach out to work was Rashid Chappelle. Um, and he let me know, he said, I, you know, I'm going to be putting out an album in a few months with Buckwild. Um, great rapper, great you know, producer. That's a great absolutely. duo right there. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was really cool. And, and Rashid was the first person to reach out. So then talked to him and Buck on the phone. We kind of like laid down the concept, figured everything else out. And I started to put that together um all the while screw tape had a follow-up project that was coming out a few months later so while i was doing the stuff for rashid and book uh i handed that in did screw tapes next project and then on top of that i had become during that time friendly with uh both sep and squat Deadface, and the so i've been i've been speaking to them a little bit and just as a tribute to Seth, I created my spin on his Conway reject face. Which is one of my oh, favorite of your pieces. I love that. Oh, thank that you. One. Thank that, you that's a really amazing that. one. Yeah. And, um, and I put that up and then people started to gravitate toward it. And then I liked the response so much. I think the day that I put it up was the day that West posted the picture that was going to become fly god is an awesome god too so i was like all right fuck it i'm gonna i'm gonna flip this too 
So I did my spin on that. And during that time, I put that up, I posted it and went to sleep. And then I woke up at like three o'clock in the morning and squat dead face had sent me a DM and he just wrote the West effect. I was like, what the hell is he talking about? And then I looked and I saw that West had shared it. And in the span of like a couple hours, you know, all my followers went up. I was pretty fairly unknown at that point. And then everything has kind of snowballed from there. But um, I just liked that project so much because I had become a fan of Rome Streets and I liked that West was giving him some recognition on it. So I did another follow-up thing based on one um, one of Rome's lines on the album. And I illustrated that line. Rome liked it and shared it. And Which line? Because that I think that's probably one of the most underrated West projects. Um, let me pull it up. It's uh, he says the, the streets will take you, but won't bring you back. That's what my mama said, or something like that. Yeah, it's, uh-huh, it's yeah. That's such um, a good that uh, uh, that um that whole tape is probably my most listened to of the pet last year out of all of oh, Wes's really? projects. And it really gets overlooked compared to Pray for Paris and compared to uh, Who Made the Sunshine, who I also love, which I also love, but I love Fly God. It was an awesome I love too. all three. Yeah, yeah. It definitely had like kind of like a raw mixtape feel. It could have just been like another extension of, of the Hitler Wears Herman series. Yeah. Well, what um, what do you think it is about the Wes effect? Like there's an art, like the love for art is much more prevalent there than in other rap subgenres um i don't know what it is exactly i think that people like to have sort of like a north star of what the culture is and people really put that on him um and he's you know he's done a lot for for these artists in in our space um you know what what sep helped those guys build and then what he did for squat by sharing his stuff and and giving him the album cover but then there's a bunch of others you know what i mean there's um my friend lord mf uh great artist yeah tony caves um who has done who has done some stuff with them and i even shout out kip even shout out absolutely absolutely kip's my man yeah yeah um um yeah so, so putting all that stuff out there, I think that there's like this, I think a big part of it is that just the fact that there were great artists the whole time. Um, West made it cool along with Sep. You got to include Sep right in there with it. Sep created something for him that, w- that became iconic but I think was sort of undeniable at the time. You know what I mean? Both the Fly God and the Don't Get Scared Now covers are just, they they, they resonate as soon as you see them. And um, yeah. I think when that happens, I think it encourages other people to make good art and not just have, you know, cause now that we exist in a way that uh, like, you know, you have physical copies are a thing again. And because people buy the vinyl, you know, you're not looking at a one inch icon on your phone anymore. We're not just looking at that. You can get, you know, there's this cycle of the, the artwork gets released and then, you know, people buy the vinyl when it drops. And then a couple of weeks later, the vinyl shows up 
And, you know, when you're holding that, you know, 12 inch by 12 inch vinyl in your hand, as opposed to looking at something even on Instagram, it's just a different experience. So it makes the art a driver of the music. You know what I mean? I think the two go hand in hand that it encourages better artists to get involved. And that's kind of what's happening. It is true because it's, I, um, I like, you were saying that you're the artery to your friends of music and I am that to my friends, but I judge music off the album cover. I really do. Like if you have a cool album cover, as you said, like Sep creating that with Wes, like if you, the album cover is a big part of it and it was lost for a long time. Yeah. And it is back. And that's what I really liked. I loved you, Wise P, son of a, like I knew that was you immediately. Like you have a very unique style Thank of you. art and I knew that was you immediately. So that was really cool when I was getting him on and I had been talking to you that, you know, that you got recognition in that too, because that's a whole different subgenre of music also. Yeah, definitely. And thank you for bringing that up on the interview, because that, that was really cool to hear. that. Oh, yeah, of course. No, that, that was a great. How did you get in contact with him? Uh, his manager, Rerock, had hit me up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I don't know what he saw or what. Um, but at that point, this was probably around like August, September, maybe. And um, and a lot of my work had been getting out there a little bit more. A lot of the, like the guys that are pretty influential in the culture have been sharing it. Um, just if I did some stuff for them and then it, it just kind of went from there. I can't remember exactly what Rerock had seen that. Um, yeah. But he, were you able, that, he, Oh, sorry. What were you saying? I was just going to say, he told me the theme of the album and like, let me hear some rough cuts and then just let me go from there. So. Well, know, do you, were you able to like sell prints or get any of this before the, though as you the west shared your stuff you said that made you more was that like when that happened were you like oh shit i this is more serious than i thought it was going to be um i knew i was going to get there at one point i had sold some prints on my site but none of it was really like based directly to music um it was Mm -hmm. obviously influenced by it but it wasn't like i was drawing you know Riza's face or something like that I wasn't doing anything like that it was once I did the um the Conway reject and somebody had asked me if I was going to do prints of it and I said I didn't feel comfortable doing it because I was just doing that to pay tribute to to what Seppington had created mm-hmm. and then Seppington encouraged me to do the prints so once I did that and then two days later um the West thing. I was like, Oh, that would be kind of cool for like my first go around to trying to do this, that I do these two together. Yeah. And then that, you know, they, they did what they did. Um, and that allowed me to, you know, keep doing it. So the prints aren't like the, my main focus in terms of like, they're not making up the, the bulk of what I do. I want to get into doing them a little bit more, but um, I want to make some other things as well. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, we, we, we sell these prints and everything, but people only have so much space on their walls. Yeah. So I want to get into trying to see what else we can tap into that like adds some value to this culture, but, you know, it's still like a display of like really creative stuff. I saw how people did that with streetwear and, um, 
you know, the community that surrounded that. So I, I think that there's a lot of possibilities there. Well, you said that you have, do you ever think about not doing um, graffiti again, but like doing a mural, like doing a big, doing big piece and going out and kind of doing that again? That's kind of the next thing that I want to start to do. Um, a lot of my work during the quarantine has been digital, um, but I came up doing, you know, uh, like you know whatever not digital work like just yeah. like doing like paint on a canvas and um i want to get into that a little bit more but you know it takes a little bit longer time um the demand has been there for the last like six months for a lot of album covers and a lot of commissions and stuff like that so it just fits with my time i don't want to have if somebody reaches out to me for something i don't want to have them waiting too long and i don't want to miss out on opportunities because it's going to take me too long so I want to find that reasonable midpoint where I can, uh, you know, turn something around in a reasonable time, but still have it be, you know, good and a lot of detail involved. And if I was doing these, you know, just by painting canvases, then that wouldn't be feasible. But that's kind of the next thing I want to start doing. Do you feel like spread thin? Like, do you feel like you're you're doing too much now or do you feel like you're you can handle the amount of work that you're doing? I can handle the amount of work that I'm doing because it's taken me 10 years to get to this point. You know what I mean? Um, what I'm doing right now is not going to be sustainable to do that over time. You know what I mean? The tank's just going to get empty if you just keep doing it. So I want to be able to put a lot of stuff out there and then be able to take small breaks to go and read books, watch movies, listen to music that's not in our space. You know, I, I have so many interests that aren't in this little like hip hop renaissance that I think like how you said, uh, how you have these things from outside of it, or, you know, like, like you're into comedy, I'm into art, and then we have this common thing. I think kind of like the strength of a good culture is sort of like keeping those things strong and then bringing some stuff from the outside into it yeah you know what i mean like how they how the griselda guys did with with wrestling or what wu-tang did with kung fu movies or comic mm -hmm. books or you know all of these things kind of like create this bigger thing and i want to get out and try to do some of that stuff uh you know just i i haven't really consumed a lot of like i haven't watched a lot of movies in the last six months i haven't read as much as i like to or you know just i haven't put on music just to go out and be like the soundtrack to my life. A lot yeah. of it is based around, you know, and, and the releases come so quick. Uh, you know, like you, you'll hear something and you think it's going to be like the thing you're listening to a year from now, and then it's gone in two weeks. Yeah. And I want to kind of like be able to sit and have some of this stuff resonate with me a little bit more, you know, um, it's but for been the time being, I'm taking on the work. <laughs> yeah, it's been a weird year for that because I feel that too, especially I'd say in the last month, like this year, as you said, you, you knew people were going to be lazy. So you kicked it into overdrive. And I did that too. I started this and yeah. we're a year later and it's like, I'm still kind of in overdrive. Like it's the, it keeps getting, I'm still, but I, as you said, the tank kind of runs out and I feel, especially the last month that like my tank is running low. Like I've been in overdrive for a year and now I'm, yeah. 
I'm getting to the point where it's like, I don't want to get out of bed uh, or like, I don't want to like, I'm staying in bed later than I need to. And it's like, mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't have that same force that I did eight months ago because it's just been going. Cause the world hasn't opened back up yet. Yeah. And I actually listened to something about this a few months ago, cause they were talking about how people even behaved in response to COVID like this time last year. And it was almost like people were so much on, on guard with what they were touching, where they were going, wearing masks, sanitizing their hands at every step of the way that we were almost in like a fight or flight mode. Um, and it's just not possible to stay in that mode. So that's why like, you know, in the, in the months after that, it was like some of the people that were the most cautious just completely threw caution to the wind mm-hmm. and, and just didn't give a shit and were just out at places and didn't care. I'm still very cautious with this stuff. I really haven't been anywhere except for the supermarket. Um, but I think that it kind of relates to what you and I had just said, like, you know, you have the opportunity to build something out. But I've heard you say on some of your other episodes, you know, a lot of the inspiration for your writing or what you do for your comedy comes from real life experience. And if we're not having that real life experience, then we're just making art about the art that we're watching. You know what I mean? We're not yeah. putting anything else into it. Yeah. And you're also digging too deep. Not that you shouldn't dig deep in yourself, but sometimes when you can't find stuff around you, you kind of are like, all right, let's try to figure out more stuff. And it has to come organically. I feel sometimes that isn't, isn't uh, beneficial. You know, you said the routine, but sometimes the routine, um, you don't get, you can't focus on you get stuck in the routine sometimes and I love it, but it's, you have to find a balance of what that routine is over a week, not just a day, you know, like, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, The routine that I try to do is really based primarily on like the first hour after I wake up. And then after that, I want to be able to get that done now it's like a it's like a double-edged sword that works really well because usually if you follow a good routine in the first hour, you're probably going to have a pretty productive day and probably like a fairly enjoyable day considering the outside stuff that's going to go on. But it's also if you wake up and you know you do whatever you work out and you meditate and you read a little bit and do this stuff and then after that hour, if you want to decide to completely flush the day down the toilet at least you got that productive hour in you know yeah um Uh, yeah that's that's my biggest thing is i haven't been productive right when i wake up the past like month that's where i've been lazy and it's like but that's where it's most important like getting out of bed right when you wake up and doing something productive is gonna start your day off right instead of being like i'll just lay here for another half hour look at my phone yeah yeah, it's, it's like taking like the smallest baby steps. Like a lot of times um, I'll wake up. I'll just tell you, like my, my routine's pretty quick. I wake up, mm. I drink a bunch of water right away. And then I won't like work out, but I'll just like jump out of bed and knock out like 15, 20 pushups just so that I've like done a movement in my head. And it's kind of like crossed that bridge from like being groggy to actually doing something. Yeah. And then after that, it's, it's whatever it's like, you know, trying to 
try to meditate before I drink any coffee in the morning. But outside of that, it's just trying to like do some things that I like. And um, there's a lot of structure to my day because I have a day job. So I do, I try to do a lot before I start work. And then mm. it's all based around that. I kind of like that. I'm kind of nervous for like, if it ever gets to a point where I don't have to have a day job and what I'm going to do to fill those eight hours. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you know, there's, there's a lot, like, I think sometimes like, it's almost like the pressure is on. So it kind of gives you, like, you have to get so much done in like short blocks of time. Squat was talking about that, how he like has a full, full time job and, you know, and he, and he lives in the middle of nowhere and he just like goes yeah. to work and then draw uh, paints all night and then goes to work and that yeah. kind of keeps him going. But it's cool that you guys all support each other. That's actually, it's, that must be an easier way where it's not like what artist is going to like beat the other one out. It's like cool that you have relationships with these guys and you all support each other yeah it's really cool um you know I, I not too many people knew of me and once particularly uh squat sep um a few others really showed a lot of love and to get that nod from those two was you know that really put a battery in my back mm -hmm. um in terms of like all right now I kind of have a little bit of a cosine. I got to keep going. The other strength in that is that uh, for the guys that are really supporting each other, we're all kind of serving the same purpose in a lot of ways. But I think our styles are much different from each other. Yeah. Did you always so, have your style? You have a very, um, as I said, when I saw the son of a cut, like, you know, when it's a, a PQ a piece. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Um, I didn't always have that style. Uh, but I'm sure if you went back and looked at like some of my stuff from even when I was like doing like graffiti and sketchbooks, there's probably like a little bit of the DNA of that in there. Mm -hmm. um, but it, you know, I try to make it evolve because it's there's a lot of detail that I put into it and a crazy I, amount I, of detail. Well, I, all right. So my approach to that is because I, before I was doing this type of art, I was uh, doing, you know, making beats and a big part of making the beats is going out and digging for records. I basically want to create album artwork that, somebody would buy the album based on the artwork because a lot of times if you know if you're out digging for records and you don't know the musicians that are on the credits on the back of the album which is what you would particularly like buy a record for it's cool just to buy a record based on the cover and have no clue what it's going to sound like so that's what i try to do but also you know this music is so like big inside my head so like the stuff now like the stuff you come up on when you're like a teenager, you lived your life with that as the soundtrack. So it's so, you know, it works so big in your head. And I try to like do that when I'm, I just picture it if, if the album that I'm doing the artwork for decides or somebody decides that that's going to be their fly God or their album that they're going to, you know, just like base their whole experience off of. I want them to have the opportunity to be like looking at that album cover and examining the details and 
you know, there's like little mini stories based on what's going on on the album that I kind of put into that stuff um, and just kind of do it in my way. So that's really why I put all that detail into it. Well, that must be not hard for you to do album covers, but it's not just like, here's a piece of artwork for you. Like you're trying to create something for them too. Like it's not, I don't know. It's you like with having to listen to the projects and put little stories into it. Like mm-hmm. that does seem like that's a, a, um, a process, a hard process. It's, it's a process, but um it's fun. You know what I mean? Like, like Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be able to do this kind of artwork for music that I didn't love. And I've been been really fortunate enough to have for all the people I've done the artwork for, I really like it. Um, Mm -hmm. um, And some of it, I, you know, really, really love like the, the sole provider uh, album cover that I did for screw tape that I told you about. I did the artwork for the album cover, like front and back, and then for every song on it. So like in my head, I'm not so delusional that I really think this, but I approached that like it, like I was in a group with screw tape. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Like like that was the only thing I listened to for like two weeks and I just pulled everything out of it. I don't have the time to do that for everything but I, I wish I did, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if I, if, if, but you if love it, were like you, you know, you're doing yeah, it because you yeah, love yeah. it. Yeah, and if, if, I mean, if I had a price where I only had to do two album covers a month and I could walk around for two weeks just listening to that one thing, I would, definitely. Yeah, yeah and I guess I, I don't want to speak because this is a very different thing, but I, like, I do this podcast for self-serving purposes too, just because like I want to talk to the people that I have on. And I've, it's, I've mentioned this on an earlier podcast, but you being like you're in a group with them. It's like, oh, I get Vino Lamano on and I love Vino. And of course I'm never going to make music, but it's like, oh, I just kind of got a feature from V. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm making something with them. Like we build, and it's, that's cool for me. Like I want this podcast is self-serving too, where it's like, I'm creating this for me too. I'm doing this for my own love and my own passion for what this is. Absolutely. Cause you're not, you're not asking like status quo questions. It is in a certain way, a collaboration, you know, there's some stuff that I, that we've talked about that I haven't really spoken to other people mm-hmm. about just because you happen to ask. And, you know, I followed enough and you and I have had some exchanges on like just different stuff that we like, like we kind of knew about the routines and, and different stuff like that. Also sidebar, I'm actually very interested in the routines of stand-up comedians. Oh yeah. We can go into that. <laughs> um, I just, uh, I, I think, I think there's a reason why people that are musicians and comics kind of relate to each other you know what I mean like like Chappelle had that whole culture of artists that sort of surrounded him in a way he's sort of like the curator of that movement yeah in a lot of ways because you know he he had lightning in a bottle 
and had genuine interest in what those guys were doing. And he put those guys on a much bigger platform than they were. And I think, I think it's, it's a reason why people uh, relate to each other. Cause like for comedy, you have to actually be good. Like I'll listen. If, if there's a dope beat and it's featuring like a really good artist, I'll listen to songs by really shitty rappers all the time if they have a couple good features and it's on like, you know yeah. what I mean? Some good mm -hmm. production. I feel like for comedy, you can't really mask that. So I kind of like the idea of seeing how like comics go up and have that like trial and error writing. Like I shared the Seinfeld thing with you. It's like yeah. a constant, like, you know, you're writing and creating, throwing it out, editing. You know, there's so much more to it than just making something and, and throwing it up there. You know, there, there, there's guys that are really funny, but they may not be able to conquer their stage fright or, you know, like there's all of that stuff that goes into it. So I love hearing like interviews and, and the viewpoints of, of like a lot, a lot of comics. It's interesting. And I was just talking the, about this to a rapper friend of mine, but about like rap and comedy, I feel like is pretending to give a, the least amount of fucks possible while giving the most amount of fucks possible. Like yeah. pretending like you don't care at all, but really you're putting your time. Like when I go up on stage, I want it to be like, I'm coming up with that in the moment. I don't care if it's funny. I don't care. Cause I'm just, do but really in my head, I've thought about it so much and I've, I run and say my bits out loud while I go for runs to try to like memorize it. And I, it, but it, it is, it's like rap. It's like, you think that they're just like, Oh, they're just say they're just, they went in the booth and spit that or whatever, but it's no, they really, there's a lot of time and effort and other things that go into it. But I also want to, as you said, live a life. Cause if I'm just doing jokes about jokes or jokes about like open, like I want to live a cr crazy life to talk about, you know, I want to, mm -hmm. I think about how when old people die, it's cliche, but they're always like, oh, I, I always regret what I didn't do. And I always thought of that as like, oh, I should take that in now and just do as much as I can mm -hmm. and do as much as I can. So then I have a basis of life to talk about. Going back to Griselda, like they didn't get big until their late 30s. They lived yeah. full lives to then talk about which I know I'm younger than that, but I want to be able to live a full life to talk about. And that's like a big basis of it, you know? Yeah. And I think that's actually what you just said about those guys is sort of like the strength of why this little like rap renaissance, shouldn't call it little because it's, it's getting a lot bigger by the day. Um, but why it's so strong, because you have so much creativity of a lot of guys or, you know, women or, you know, whoever that, uh, I'll give you an example. On, on your interview with Jay Royale, he was saying that he is still executing on some ideas that he had when he was in high school, but he just never, he never fully formed those. And I think that speaks to a lot of the stuff I do. Like if I had these opportunities that I have now when I was 18 or 19, I would have blew them. You know what I mean? I would have just, I, I, I would have done something to mess that up. Where a lot of these guys, like I'm 
40 and I'm at like the midpoint of age of the people in this scene. And I think a big part of that is like the, these guys see that they can do it. It would be like uh, in the eighties, if somebody just decided they were sick of like all, you know, Motley Crue and all the hair metal and somebody that people that were in their thirties just said, I'm just going to start a band and I'm going to make music that sounds like Led Zeppelin again. Mm -hmm. And that probably would have caught some wind, you know what I mean? At the time. And that's sort of what some of these guys are doing now, but it's like a modern spin and they have these really good ideas, but they also have a little bit of more of the maturity to be on it. You know? Yeah. I'm so scared. One, thank you for listening. That that means a lot that you, you can oh, pull yeah, for yeah. that. That doesn't mean a lot. But two, it's like, I worry about that. I'm younger. And like, I worry that uh, what am I like, I don't want to screw it up. Like I interview a lot of these people who took their whole lives to learn. And, uh, and it's like, am I going to, what, that's a part of this. It's like, what can I do to not screw it up? Because I, I want this to be big and I want to keep going and I don't want it to be, but also I realize that life has a different path and sometimes you don't realize what that is. Yeah. And sometimes like those, you know, the screw ups, like, like stumbling, it's a great way to like gain a little bit of perspective and come back from something. You know what I yeah. mean? Like you have these great artists that sometimes their best album happened after they caught some, some wind in their sail and then they made that one really shitty album <laughs> and then they saw how look at boldy james mm-hmm. boldy james his whole all of his albums on mass appeal his first album with alchemist amazing then he goes to mass appeal does all this pop shit for 10 years and now yeah. he's finally yeah. making the music that he originally made i think i do think about that a lot yeah yeah that, i think that plays into it and then also See, the thing that I think is also different is where I'm saying that a lot of older guys are doing this stuff. You're also able to have a much more fluid collaboration between guys that are in their 40s and guys that are in their early 20s as rappers. And it's not looked at as like an unnatural collaboration. You know what I mean? Um, Like if some, what you're 23? Yeah. Yeah. So there's some there's some guys that are in New York and I I don't know how old they are. I'm assuming they're in their like mid to like mid 20s. Like I don't know if you know, uh, like Fast Life, Starker, Mm -hmm. YL. Um, They just sound like they kind of like pull in from this, you know, sonic palette of like the 90s. But you can tell that they're like younger guys that probably came up on both. MF Doom and also Little Wayne. And yeah. that's cool. And it, and it sounds very natural in that it's not like they're making music for younger people or, you know, like they're making music for themselves and they happen to be younger people. And it's not like they're just from Brooklyn and sounding like they're from Atlanta. You know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, People don't like people hated on Wes for working with having working with Travis. Travis Scott was in the studio with West Side, and people online were really like mad at him almost. But it's like I was a fan of Travis before he was well known when he was like a devil worshiper and made this weird, really dark music, like really yeah. dark. 
experimental shit that wasn't pop. And it's like, no, he's not just some pop artist. Like if Wes is working with them, they're going to be doing something great. Like it's not, it, it's not going to be phony. He's a real yeah. artist. And, and I think also you have these, saying that I don't um, like three, two, seven. You have these moments where I think it's good for both the pop culture and the subculture for those little things to leak in a little bit. And sometimes people go, and, and we're in a trial and error phase of that. You know what I mean? I happen to like uh, Benny's Burden of Proof album, but a lot of guys that have been like around since the beginning with Griselda and Benny didn't really like that. But I think I it's love actually, that album, yeah. Actually, yeah, I, I think yeah. it's good for, for people to try out that type of stuff. You know what I mean? You see where those guys have kind of like, poked their heads into the mainstream a little bit west really hit it with who made the sunshine for a little while he was getting a lot of publicity on that stuff and then you have sometimes they may dip in like it seems like conway is really tapping back into the original fan base with the music that he's been putting out over the last uh couple of releases like all his stuff with big ghost i think is phenomenal so good so and ransom and the the feature <coughs> ransom and um yeah it's just all the yeah i like all, i'm wearing a little Uzi vert shirt right now <laughs> like yeah. i love all styles of rap i just like the art form yeah and, and that's the thing hip-hop is so big right now or mm-hmm. not right now it's it's grown to be so big that if people are like making the music that's like true to them it should sound different. Yeah. And, and, and even within, uh, you know, the, the underground independent rap scene right now, I think it's important for somebody that is coming up in Atlanta, if they want to make something that's influenced by all this Griselda stuff or like some 90s stuff, or maybe they, you know, are influenced by the stuff that the guys in Rochester or Toronto are doing, but they want to put their spin on it, what makes it shit is when everybody is just making Derringer beats. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because then it's yeah. just gonna it's gonna burn that that bulb out faster than it should. And that's why I think it's really cool that like what they're doing in Toronto, what they're doing in Rochester, what uh, we're doing in Philly, what Jay Royale is doing in Baltimore, and what Ty Ferris is doing in Detroit all of them are different from each other, but they fit next to each other. Totally. Makes, you know what I mean? You, totally. you can put them on a compilation, but I don't want to hear an entire subculture where everything just sounds like Griselda because those guys definitely push this further. Um, but I don't know. I want to hear just a, a, a lot of variety. And then it would yeah. be cool to hear like a like a Conway and Kendrick Lamar collaboration. You know what I mean? Like those things are great for the culture, in my opinion. Yeah, and Conway has been doing that, and Benny's been doing that, just hopping mm-hmm. on different beats, working with different artists. Like Conway was on Juicy J's new album, which and they had a fantastic collaboration. You should li- listen to that because I never thought. I'll check it out. I love like old three six. Like Memphis is one of my favorite rap mm-hmm. cities, so it was really cool to see them collab. Not giving the big artists what, not giving like main Griselda, who do you want to do covers for? Like, are there artists 
that you are like fiending to work with? Um, you mean like in the bigger scope of things or still within this independent scene? In the bigger scope of things too. Um, are there artists um, that you're like, oh, that you want to work with or work, you know? I think that there's some, all right. So first of all, there's, there's a lot that I want to work with. There's some that I'm such a fan of their current aesthetic that I wouldn't want to disrupt that at all. You know what I mean? Like, I, mm-hmm. like I've done a little bit of stuff with Jay Royale, but I kind of like, how those black and white photos work on his album. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I wouldn't, I I would only want to do that as like a variant. I kind of like what he's doing there. Um, DJ Muggs, very high. I'm excited for his project with Flea Lord. Yeah. Yeah. And and shout out to Sep. He destroyed that cover. That's That's, yeah. That's an amazing. Um, So I would say Muggs, I would say also, you know, Griselda guys, um, Rome Streaks. I would want to do something with him. Uh, Daniel Sun. Uh, he'd be really big on my list. Um, and I've, you know, I've worked already with a lot of people that are adjacent to him and part of his crew. But I think, I think him and I would work well together. I want to do stuff with people that our styles would fit. You know what I mean? Yeah, because you I, do I, have a very unique style that doesn't. Not doesn't work with certain things, but it is a different aesthetic than what other, some other uh, rappers are going for. Yeah, like like the stuff because I still work really closely with Screw Tape, and I think that in a lot of ways, there's like him, there's Future Wave, there's A Sun Eastwood. I think these guys make music that in my head sort of sounds like what my artwork looks like mm. at times. So it's a very very easy collaboration. And you just um, had one come out, or is it coming out with Chris Crack? Oh, so that was with, uh, I, I did that through Chong Wizard. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so uh, Chong releases some variant covers and puts them on, like, the test presses. Yeah. Um, and I did, so I did full artwork for his uh, project, that, or a beat tape that Obliv, um, from Virginia put out and he put it out through Chong Wizard Records and I did the full artwork on that and all of the test prep I did everything on that and um, and afterwards uh, you know Chong and I have a pretty good working relationship now so like a lot of times even if somebody's putting out stuff with their original cover because I think Chris Crack had maybe even put that album out already on mm-hmm. like streaming services but then uh you know, when, when it gets the vinyl release, it's a little bit different. Um, so sometimes, you know, people will reach out to me to do some variant covers. Which um, is, that's an awesome thing. I know that they just released the variant cover for um, If It Bleeds, It Can Kill with Gourmet Deluxe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the variant, the, it's awesome because it can, it's not just the album cover. It can be like art around it. It can be, it can kind of yeah. still grow, you know? Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of stuff that I do that I like the original cover so much that I'm just trying to do something to complement that. And I can kind of acknowledge that my thing wouldn't have worked for the main, you know what I mean? Like, like there's some stuff that you're doing for the sake of selling records. And then there's some other stuff that you do for the sake of 
acknowledging that this is like an actual art form so i mm-hmm. can do like my more abstract spin on that and i really really enjoy doing that man thank you so much for coming on i really appreciate talking and your time and i it was really great like meeting you and getting to know you oh yeah absolutely yeah thank you for having me um i i got put onto the show when squat was on it uh last month or the month before and then um, I've been trying to check out as many episodes as I could. I really appreciate uh, that. And I, I hopefully when shit opens back up, I can meet you in person and I'd love to, you know, talk to you again. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to plug your, plug your stuff? Um, all my stuff is at my Instagram is at PQ design, P E C U E design. And then on PQ design.com. Awesome. Thank you. Really, everyone check it out. Make sure to look at uh, all his artwork, follow him, look at the prints, and um, thank you. You can subscribe on YouTube. Bye, okay, everyone. great. Thank you so much, Sam.